up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, let me know what you've been playing. So, yeah, just been playing uh, one thing, uh, mainly, and that's uh, Persona 5 Strikers. So, okay. the, you know, Persona 5 sort of Dynasty Warriors crossover that we didn't know we needed. Um really 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 like this game i'm really surprised and i know i kind of was like worried about it because i'm like another dynasty warrior style game hyrule warriors didn't really do it for me and uh, either version and you know one piece warriors or whatever they call it and all those other ones just they don't do it for me because they're, they're pretty much reskins you know long ago when i played that gundam warriors or whatever they're all just kind of reskins and let me tell you this is not there's a reason they didn't call it persona 5 warriors and that's because in my opinion this game is 85% Persona and, like, 15% Warriors. So, like, obviously the overworld, you're still walking around the same town and LeBlanc and the cafe and all the characters are there, obviously. It's a it's a sequel to Persona 5. You know, it takes place a couple of months after. Immediately there's tons of references, so it's very hard if you wanted to play this without playing Persona 5 for some reason. I don't know why you would want to. But uh, I highly suggest you at least go maybe watch the anime, Persona 5 animation, uh, before you jumped into this because you're going to be lost uh, off the bat. But it's so great after such a long time to reunite with these characters. They all kind of pick up where they left off. They're all talking about what's happened since we've last seen them. And some are in college, some are in their third year, final year of high school and what they've been doing, jobs and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really exciting. And there's just that super nerd part of me that just loves doing that. And it's great. Um, obviously, when the actual game starts kicking off and you're somewhat back in the metaverse, I'm going to try to keep it semi-spoiler-free, I guess. Um, you're somehow back in the metaverse. You're back as the Phantom Thieves and stuff like that. The gameplay is not what Warrior fans are used to. And you've played these Warrior games before, so you usually know there's a big old map. They drop you in one edge of the corner, and they're like, here, do a bunch of stuff. That's not what's in this game. It's more on the kin of a Kingdom Hearts and I, I caveat I kind of took that line from a, a, a review I saw but it's so true where you're not just dropped in the corner of a city of the city and there's just waves of people out already there'll be a few shadows and when you get to them then they kind of you know explode or if you ambush them correctly then you know a crowd of them show up you clear them out but it's not just like you're button mashing square you have to do the summons correctly you have to do combinations correctly you have sort of those interactions um, that you saw in like final fantasy 15 with like light poles where you can start swinging around them to get certain combinations and weaknesses uh the baton passing is back but done a little bit more quick action there's a lot of more cinematic cutscenes and some of the moves and flashiness that is persona um and that's all integrated into this game where if you didn't know, you wouldn't know that this was, an, uh, you know, collaborated with Omega Force. And that's, like, great because the game feels like Persona. It all feels like Persona in a more action RPG instead of that hardcore JRPG that's there. So I'm having an amazing time with it. I'm loving it. The characters, the writings, all there, the jokes, all the voice actors are back. Um, the graphics are uh, slightly different because I'm assuming it's running on a different engine maybe. But it's similar enough where you're not as, like totally bizarre and everything like that the menus the music the flashiness of it it's all back this is persona 5 2 and i know they teased that in the original reveal trailer 
where it called it Persona 5 2, and then the 2 gets knocked out with the S for Strikers. And now I see why that's such a, a thing, because all the elements are there, and it's so connected to the first one. So I'm having an absolutely great time. I'm still early on. Um, I'm like five under five hours, which you know for a Persona game is like nothing. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, constant tutorial still and all these kind of things. And the whole game I heard is, you know, roughly short, obviously shorter than a full-fledged Persona game. I want to say this, people are saying this one's about 40 to 50 hours to beat. Oh, wow, which, it's still pretty long for a Musou. Which is, which is still huge for a Musou game. That's what I yeah. keep telling people. Um, and it's... The way that it's formatted is what's really helping, where you kind of keep coming, where like, for most warrior games, it's like stages, like here's the boat level, tons of enemies, go clear out these little pathways, take over this base. That's not really here, where you're constantly going back to this new metaverse, which they refer to the jail, they call it the jail. So you're going back and forth to the jail. So it's not like you go clear out one map, go next map. You're going, you're going to clear out a section, and then you may have to go back to the real world, go back to the cafe, do just some discussions, go to the shop, go back to the jail, and it's like the same, it's like the next section of the level. But nothing stops you from traversing from one section to the other um, until you, you know, die or an enemy and stuff like that. So it's almost like, that's why it's, I say it's like 50% warriors, um, because basically just the actual combat, like squares, uh, you know, quick attack, triangles is more the heavy, and then... It gets into L1 will do the gun, um, uh, R1 will do, you know, you want to call it your persona. Obviously, Joker still has the ability to do multiple personas. Uh, you can switch your party of four, so I like playing as these other characters. I like running your skulls like a heavy hitter. Uh, Makoto has her nice motorcycle that adds crazy moves into it. It's just so diverse, and the game's done so well where it makes the other Warrior games feel more like cash in cash grabs you know fire emblem warriors just feels like a skin on uh, dynasty warriors and hyrule just looks like a zelda skin on a uh, dynasty warriors games where this feels like persona 5 and every single aspect so that's all i've been playing and i'm probably just gonna be playing that for for a while now so that's what i've been up to yeah i mean that sounds that sounds awesome I'm, I'm glad to hear that too because i've always had kind of a mixed feeling about the musou games i enjoyed dynasty warriors back in the day on the psp but it was never something i was like super in love with and i i liked zelda but it's never something i could see like dedicating tons of time to but this one sounds like they're taking a little bit of a different approach and taking that basic format but crafting it into an experience that's more accurate to the source material so that's good to hear yeah exactly like when you get to i know eventually you'll get to get down to playing it and you're gonna love it you're gonna absolutely love it so for me, um, I haven't been playing a ton. I actually did get a chance to give Dirt 5 a chance on hmm. Xbox. Uh, that came to Game Pass, so I was able to give that uh, a little bit of play, do a couple races. I actually really, really like it, and it's really interesting because as far as like Xbox and modern races go, my bar pretty much and what I mostly play is Forza. And that I got kind of used to that very like simulation-style driving. So the moment that I fired up, uh, dirt, which has a similar kind of aesthetic, even though the car selection is very different. Um, I was like really kind of thrown off about how like arcadey almost it felt. Yeah. Where like it's just and, and responsive is not the right word. But for example, you don't need to compensate for turns as much. Like if you press right, it's gonna turn right way more aggressively than if I'm Forza, which is nine times out of ten, if you jack it right, it's, you're just gonna spin out. You have to like play it. You bet. You basically have to play a game between yeah. like the gas and the brake, and kind of like pivot b- between those and predict and make sure that you give yourself enough basically time 
to, to drift into that turn. So it's a very different experience. So Dirt has been a nice experience where I'm getting like nothing but first places because I'm so used to Forza, which for me is just infinitely harder to control. So once you learn Forza, going to like Dirt is just way easier. Uh, but I, I really enjoy it. Performs great, looks great. I know some people had some critiques about it not looking like a proper next-gen game uh, mm-hmm. on those early Xbox days. And I, I just I mean this in the nicest way. Like I've kind of just given up on expecting next gen feeling experiences from the Xbox for now. Um, so yeah. whenever I can play anything, if it runs great, beautiful. Uh, pretty much all my like super high resolution, fancy next gen experiences have been on the PlayStation. So this is not jarring for me. I didn't pay for this game. It was on Game Pass. So I get to just experience it as it is, and I think it's a really, really fun game. Uh, So if you have Game Pass, anybody has Game Pass, I highly suggest giving that a shot. Uh, There's lots of great games that they've been adding onto there lately. Uh, So I've been, you know, playing around with that. Uh, I did re-download Skyrim because uh, I've only played the original version and the Switch version, so I wanted to see how that kind of like special upgrade version that came out a couple years ago looks. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. I mean, it's still janky as hell. Mm. Like, it's still <laughs> the same game. It's just the t- textures are a little higher resolution, so that was fun. Uh, I seriously doubt I'm going to stick to it, but I do have it there. I downloaded a whole bunch of stuff on my Xbox, basically. Uh, so now that I won't be able to be buying games for a couple weeks during this uh, move and transition, I'll have some stuff to play. So I downloaded like Skyrim, ESO, Final Fantasy twelve. Like I, I downloaded everything. So I'm going to have a lot of, probably in these next few weeks, different reports of random things that I've given a shot. Uh, also, uh, starting, I think, like last Monday or Tuesday, I started playing Final Fantasy VII again, the remake, on okay. uh, the PS5. And then, obviously, we'll get into it later, the State of Play announced that there's going to be some major updates coming to that. So I basically stopped playing that because I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I guess I might as well just play the really nice version. Because I was just replaying the regular version because I wanted to replay that game. Um, and it's cool how that muscle memory comes back because I like de- I just demolish that first boss because once you if you really know how to like integrate magic effectively and switch between characters, and you get a nice rhythm going that is really beneficial in those late game. So if you're replaying the game and you're applying all those same techniques, you might not deal as much damage, but you'll have the ability to do pretty much everything but summon. Um, yeah, you can just demolish through the beginning part of that game pretty much at any uh, difficulty. So that was really fun to do. But I, I made it to Chapter 2, watched the, the State of Play conference, and I was like, oh, I guess, okay, so I guess I'm going to sit this down probably until summer and uh, yeah. jump into that integrated version. So, yeah, that, that was all for me. I'll probably have more to report the next few weeks as I get into all those random Xbox games I downloaded. Yeah, no, it sounds great. I, I didn't know Dirt 5 came to Game Pass, so I'm yeah, going to definitely... Game. I'm definitely going to install... I almost bought that a couple weeks ago. It was on sale for 30 on PlayStation. And I was like, nah, not yet. And um, yeah. there we go. I'm glad I'm going to be installing that uh, this afternoon as soon as we're yeah, done recording. Game probably. Game. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, I was in the same boat where I think I may have even installed Final Fantasy VII Remake on my PS5 to be like, I think I... I just kind of was in the mood to play it. And uh, then I saw, obviously, we'll get into it, State of Play, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not happening just yet. <laughs> yeah, put that on the back burner. Yep, it's there. All right, so some good stories. We have some good topics, and uh, we'll start off with a, a smaller, I guess it's like a smaller one, but uh, the next-gen PSVR uh, has been announced. Uh, so Sony has announced the next edition of the PlayStation VR headset that is being developed for PlayStation 5. This, this headset is described as our next-generation VR system that will deliver the ultimate entertainment experience, according to PlayStation's Hidaki Nishino. 
The new headset enhances everything from resolution and field of view to tracking and input. It will connect to the PS5 with a single cord to simplify setup and improve ease of use while enabling high fidelity visual experience, Nishino said. The new PSVR, he- the new PSVR headset for PSV- PS5 will also use a new VR controller that makes use of some of the key features in the DualSense controller for PlayStation 5, along with a focus on great ergonomics. In an interview, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan touted the advancements Sony has made to improve the experience of using the new PSVR headset, including pointing to the single-cord setup. Regarding the change, he told GQ that this is a very simple and visible illustration of a lesson that we've learned from when iterating from the present system to the new system. So this is something we've seen um, sort of in the tea leaves for a while now. PlayStation VR 2. We knew that they set it up. We knew the PlayStation 5 had a few little things that's like, well, this is definitely going to be for the next gen VR, the fact that they didn't tout the current VR bundles with the PlayStation 5, we kind of knew they had that weird adapter. So we knew there was a more elegant version coming and it seems like it's hitting all the strides. What did you, uh, what you think of this? Yeah. I mean, I was really happy to, to see it. And funnily enough, a lot of the main critiques of PlayStation VR, they seem to address almost immediately. So, uh, the biggest critique I've always had for the PSVR is just they needed to get that cord situation figured out a lot more. You have that box with cords coming out both ways, and it's a whole nest. And it's awesome if you can figure out you know how a nice stand and a whole setup for it, and you got the space for it. It works. But for a lot of people's setups, there's no way they would introduce that level of like clutter into their yeah. setup on a regular basis, unless they're again really justifying that and playing a ton of VR. Uh, so I'm glad that they can streamline that cord experience. I knew that was a matter of time, and I would imagine uh, with the next iteration after this, cordless is probably pretty much the next way to go. Uh, and, you know, the all-in-one headsets are starting to come out now, so I would imagine PlayStation mm-hmm. is probably going to end up there at some point. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad to hear the higher-resolution stuff. That was another thing. Some of the lower-resolution experiences, especially in those early VR days, I'm glad that they can address that. And the new controller, I'm curious to see how that looks and how it integrates and there's lots of tech in the PS5 that the PS4 didn't have, so I'm curious to see how they play off each other and uh, what benefits this next VR headset can take advantage of. However, you know, I'm not a VR person, because not because of not willingness, just because of the motion sickness issues I deal with. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's just zero way for me to be able to play this without, like, losing. I mean, guys, like, Last of Us kills me. So imagine <laughs> if I'm, like, playing Squadrons in VR. Yeah. I'll never come out. So, uh... You would probably have more insight about uh, some of the nitty-gritty of this story. So what, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, like you said, I, I was weird that they did this. And then I kind of started thinking, I'm like, well, this has to mean that they're, at least the dev kits and stuff are kind of going out there. So if, I'm like, someone's going to leak this. For them to just do a plain black <laughs> post, no uh, artwork, no sort of sketching, no nothing. I'm like, well, that means they wanted to get out there before people started leaking because we live in you know it's 2021 everything leaks so that's very smart of them um all the things they've said are things that people kind of wanted so they they kind of got the boring stuff out of the way first uh with words and obviously they're going to show us later on but the single cable thing is a big deal i haven't hooked up my vr to my ps5 because that includes a now a new cable so it'd be a cable to a box that needs another cable to the playstation Uh, i need an extra hdmi because it needs hdmi from the playstation to the box to the tv and then i would kind of lose my 2.1 
you know, compatibility, and I'm like, it, it's a headache. It's a headache if I wanted to hook it up. This is going to make sure probably that I'm not going to hook it up for even longer, uh, unless I move somewhere that I have space to hook it up on the PS4 version. But, you know, the new control is also really great. I'm glad I won't have to use my move controls anymore, because I've had the same move controls since 2010, I think, when they came out. I bought them uh, with sports something for my PS3, you know. Um, and it's wild that we're using that old that old of a control that's like using it's like when i use my gamecube control on switch i'm like this is ridiculous and i'm still using this um for that but something that may be a little bit more hands-on like if you look at all at its competitors where they have like multiple buttons on each control for your fingers to get a little bit more into you know some of these experiences like uh half-life alex that i haven't played because i don't have a vr on pc but i've seen like the control and how nice that it is to sort of be able to you know, put your pinky down and do something different on the control where on PlayStation you have just one massive trigger to like clench your hands, which works really well for most things, but it's all those little steps that they're obviously learning, you know, Oc you know, people are comparing it. Oh, you know, Oculus has released like a headset every year, some to horrible reviews and some to better reviews, and PlayStation yeah. took its time, watched it, and like, well this is they like this, they like this, and like this. Their PSVR is obviously be a little bit more advance in that aspect and consumer friendly because you know playstation vr is still the most selling vr headset um just because of the easy entry point you didn't need a massive pc to do this and now we have like the quest and stuff which is like sort of all in one package but even those are restrictive where it's all in one package but you can't play certain games on it because of exactly. the lack of power which we as one thing we do know for the playstation 5 is it's got the power so it's gonna be exciting times again they they hit like things so quickly they were like one cable uh new controller uh nice new key features on the ergonomics of the headset because it's like now if i play psvr and i for some reason spin around um you know the camera loses track of me has no idea what it's doing and hopefully they eliminate the camera itself because they said the hd camera which i bought for vr because i thought it'd be compatible um is not going to be needed for vr so it, it, we'll see how advanced they are and how you know knowing sony there's still going to be that one feature where it's like ugh, ugh, like i still have to do this for for them but until we get more information we won't know but they're setting a good base for psvr2 yeah and i think one of the most interesting things to me is so this i feel like this ecosystem really started like 2016 2017 this kind of vr fight between these three major players which was uh psvr uh oculus and the htc vive and funnily enough like all these years later somehow they're all three still there uh mm -hmm. so that's the biggest surprising so it's very interesting to see that you know with the psvr 2 finally coming off um that all these players are still there. It seems like the race has tightened a little bit now between probably it's going to be the Oculus Quest versus the PSVR 2. And then I, I think there's like, what, the Vive Cosmos or something crazy like that uh, yeah. that exists there as a higher-end thing for people like crazy PCs. That always exists there. Uh, I don't know how that's selling or not. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if at any point this race between these three kind of slimmed down and there's like a definitive winner because even though yes psvr is outselling uh both of those i know that like quest has its own kind of ecosystem as well uh and and kind of serves its purpose as well because again uh the psvr does need the buy-in of having a playstation and not everybody's playstation gamer so some people are not really interested in in that and all that so that that's curious i'm curious to see what this next i guess generation because i guess you could 
consider this the next phase of the the, the fight between these these three players. Mm-hmm. If at any point this shifts and anybody drops out or anybody becomes the definitive number one, uh, obviously again PlayStation by sales number one, but um, certainly with the Pico, the PC ecosystem and the place that it is, there's plenty of people in that kind of Oculus ecosystem that never even touched the PlayStation ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, they're kind of segmented in that regard. And it also kind of reminds me of like how it's interesting how PlayStation slowly becoming what I always envisioned the PlayStation VR ecosystem actually being. And because I I, I was like, widespread adoption is going to happen at this point. And I kind of envisioned, and this is probably like five to 10 years off, but this, this headset that's way smaller no cords, and I always envisioned kind of like these controllers that attach to the side somehow. So it's not this big setup that you need. You have like this kind of visor looking thing with the controllers that attach to the side and you put it right there on your desk and that's the end of it. That's the beginning and end of the setup. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, with one brand new iteration, they're that much closer to it is really, really impressive. So, uh, yeah, the all-in-one that people are saying that like we're way off of. First off, you know, I mean, Oculus got there pretty fast, and PlayStation's, you know, right behind there. One cord is not that far away from cordless, so good for them for being able to close that gap between uh, that first iteration that is very impressive in its own regard, but incredibly clunky. I mean, the thing is huge <laughs> with uh, mm-hmm. using pretty old controllers and uh, and these just insane cord mechanisms. So for them to be able to streamline it with one iteration is impressive because I mean, you have to think of like phones and iPods and MP3s and just how many iterations it took them to get to where they are now. Uh, and the fact that they're able to close that gap and make these monumental jumps, even though they're over longer periods of time, uh, is really impressive. So I wanted to give them a shout out for that. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting time, especially for those PSVR fans. And it shows that PSVR is not dead. And we knew this Definitely. for a while, but I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad it's getting the support too. Yeah, and I hope with the new... PSVR 2 that comes with a new wave of first party support because again things have lightened up quite a bit on the, the VR front uh, but they've always insisted it's not dead uh, so it was very obvious they're working on a new thing and there's probably just literal technical limitations to some of the first party VR games that they want to mm-hmm. put out and what can Absolutely. actually be supported on the hardware that's been out for a number of years so I'm, ho- I'm not even hoping I'm pretty much expecting with this VR 2 we're going to have a year, two years, maybe even three years of continuous first-party releases that are really going to take advantage of this tech in a new way. So I'm expecting a massive resurgence in the VR, and especially now that they can uh, really utilize PS Plus and having those VR titles out there with it, free titles. I think uh, it's going to do pretty well as long as you know the tech works and the price proposition's right. And I to, I've always been impressed by the VR pricing on the PSVR front because it's never been exorbitant or any crazy thing like that, mm-hmm. especially considering the competition at that time. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be an exciting time to see VR back in the forefront when it hasn't been, I mean, in years. So, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll hopefully get more information later this year. So, we got more Sony news here, and we could talk over the brand new State of Play. So, Sony hosted uh, another State of Play live stream, the latest showcase focused on 10 upcoming PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games. So, we're going to do what we normally do, go one by one. If we have thoughts, beautiful. If we don't, we'll keep it pushing. So I guess we could start with pretty much one of the biggest uh, announcements of the presentation, which is uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. So it's basically a PS5 edition. Uh, there is also going to be UFI DLC, so you're going to get a little bit of new story content. You're going to get an optimized PS5 version, higher resolution, better performance. You can prioritize one version over the other. If you mm-hmm. Like most upgrades, is if you want higher FPS, you can focus on that and performance. If you want a higher resolution, you can do that. Uh, so... 
Steve, I know you said that you were interested in replaying the game as well, too. Uh, so this seems like this is working for both of us. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been wanting to replay Final Fantasy VII Remake. I had a great time the first time we played it. You know, peak quarantine, <laughs> it came out and stuff like that. And, you know, for a while I was like, maybe we're not getting a PS5 sort of patch because they weren't talking about it. Knowing, you know, there we go, Square being a Square, they're releasing like a whole sort of upgrade version, integrate. Uh, luckily for us who own the game digitally, uh, we are going to get a free upgrade to the PS5 version. I'm not sure what that means. So it would for be the, free. Okay. Yeah, I know if you purchased it, um, small caveat, because I know Final Fantasy VII Remake is the PS Plus game for March. Yeah, you can't that, upgrade that version. That version that. you cannot upgrade. Um, we own this game, so we get the initial upgrade for free. I don't know what the Yuffie actual integrate part if there's a small fee yeah, we have I think to pay that's i think that's paid dlc across the board um but yeah to play this game at a smoother frame rate or i may i always dabble in the, the new graphics mode but the game looks so solid as it is my only issue was there was some chunks of the game where it seemed a little slow and everything was exploding and stuff like that to see all that at 60 frames i think will be very nice so definitely I mean, and also I, I do, I think we saw a small tease of Yuffie in the game. I think there was one sequence when she was somewhere. I can't remember. It's obviously been a year since we've played it. Um, but I think there was a small, like, something. I think we saw her once. Um, when like, the looking over falls, I think they sh- they showed multiple points up people in the cats, like Kate, Kate Sith and stuff like Kate that. Kate Sith and stuff fell. like that, yeah. So, so maybe, maybe that's where we saw her. Um, but this is obviously, again, they're taking small factors in, like, expanding because she's got this whole hood thing and she's got this other storyline going on. So I can't wait to get back into the game. I'm I'm glad, you know, I have that habit of trying to play everything at once. And they're like, oh, you know, and I was going to add this to the to the bowl. And they're like, well, PS5 up dish, uh, free upgrade coming. I'm like, all right, thank you, because I'll wait now. So it all looks great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, the game w- was damn near perfect already, so I'll take any upgrade at this point. And, uh, I'll Absolutely. Def- it-, it came at a good time, too. Again, it's not super far off. I already wanted to replay it, and it's summertime right now, so they're going to have a nice little window to themselves. At least for right now, we'll see if anybody announces in that window. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I- I'm super down uh, to-, to give that a try. And I'm not much of a DLC person, but if they can really, if there's like solid story content associated to that Yuffie DLC, I'll buy it, as long as it's priced okay. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, these people get crazy with the DLC prices, and they ask them, you know, 34 40 bucks now nah, you you can keep that but as long as it's priced right I'm, I'm super down for this doc um so the next one crash bandicoot 4 it's about time the ps5 edition i know you love this game so uh, is this enough to entice you to replay it yeah so this is you know it's weird because they they announced this a while ago when it was coming to xbox switch and a ps5 edition and stuff like that um it's weird to kind of show the game off like that. I think this is how they started the state of play, which is really weird. Um, the game already ran at 60, so the only real addition for me is it's going to run at 6K, um, 6K, whoa, 4K, uh, 60 frames. Uh, so I'm still currently playing. It's sort of my, it's there, like kind of comfort food. I'll go do a couple stages. Um, the fact that they're like, oh, your save will carry over and everything will be fine. I'm not trying to platinum this game at all. So when it's Good time, I, yeah, yeah. So. I'm like, oh, when it's time, I will transfer my save over to the PS5 version. Free upgrade, obviously, they, they announced. And I'll play, because I'm going to play the maximized version of it. Why not? Of course, <laughs> you know? Of um, so, yeah, nice pun. Um, but, nah. uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's exciting, you know, because I haven't beaten the game just because, again, the game has so many levels. Like, this game never ends for some reason. Um, but, uh,. Uh, it's exciting. It's it's nice because it's, it's the game's getting a second chance, especially now that it'll be everywhere else as well. Yeah, I'm just so happy to see like Crash actually back. 
and yeah. and it's organic form. They didn't have to like reinvent the wheel or do anything mm-hmm. crazy. It's a traditional crash game that's performing well. People love it, and I, I think it was just really well made. So I'm, I'm glad to see this still getting support uh, and them not giving up on this game and giving you know little upgrades here and there. Uh, yep. The next one's actually really exciting for me. Uh, Returnal. Finally, we got some gameplay for it. Um, and it seems like it, there's some interesting details that we got here. Uh, so we got to look at the kind of world you'll be exploring, but the fact, the major thing is uh, how the gameplay looks and the fact that it's kind of randomized every time you die. Uh, not the first time we saw that, but something we didn't know that Returnal would be doing. There's obviously some interesting narrative choices that they're going to be made. They showed her like childhood home there within that dark monster filled world and it looks like there's a bit of a difficulty there to it so I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see the competitive scene getting involved in that so this game seems to be taking a lane of what I didn't expect it to take but I'm not mad at it at all you know what I mean so like I expect this to be way more I expected it to be kind of like a third person some action but more of like an atmospheric maybe closer to like a um, a dead space type situation mm-hmm. uh, but this is definitely not that uh, but I like what I see. Did you like what you said? Yeah, I'm a little bit more sold on it. Um, cause okay. My issue is we weren't seeing moment-to-moment gameplay leading up to the game. I'm like, what's it look like? Because this is, I think, Housemark's first, in a while at least, full-fledged. Like, they're charging 70 bucks for this. I'm like, what's, what's this look like? These are the guys who made all these other smaller twin-stick shooter games and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. like, what, 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 what are we getting? Um, so it looked really cool. It looked uh, stylized slightly. It, it reminded me a lot of Control, the sort of dashing and the, the mechanics and stuff. I'm like, okay, third-person shooter. And we saw, and we knew it was somewhat roguelike. We didn't know how much that was connected to the story, connected to exactly. your death. And we're seeing a lot more story elements. There's that whole uh, sort of PT house thing going on at the end. I don't know what's going on with that, but it's like, interesting me where i'm like a little bit more solid like yeah i this definitely looks like a game i'm gonna play for sure because once i hear that roguelike kind of stuff i'm like ah binding of isaac and all these games where it's like you gotta dig for the story and i don't want that if so if the story is presented to me in a nice way with the gameplay i do wish i do hope we get like one more like gameplay trailer sort of like they did for demon souls uh, before the the launch of or the Demon Souls remake, where it's like, here's like 20 minutes. What's 20 minutes look like? What's the moment to moment gameplay exactly? You know, what what does it look like when I'll come home from work on an afternoon and want to play for an hour? What's that sort of feel? Um, to not be so confusing, but um, yeah, this just only raised the bar for me. So I'm like, okay, now I'm was sort of interested to maybe I'll wait to now I'm like, oh, I think I will probably snag this at at launch um, if I can. Yeah, and I mean, you raised some great points about, you know, specifically, like, how well the roguelike aspects are going to work for it. Uh, I was not sold on that specific gameplay style Mm -hmm. for, I mean, years, pretty much up until Hades, which really changed it for me. uh, Where I realized that kind of, like, randomized but simultaneously telling a story through your runs uh, can be done and can be done at a really high level. So, that really, that, Hades, if anything, sold it for me. So, that's why it makes me way easier for me to kind of make this palatable another thing is for the longest i would look at this game and i'm like how is this house mark i don't understand um and it, it was more it was less so like a sony bend for example where it's like the scale of this is not in line with what they've done before mm-hmm. but even just the visual and gameplay style didn't seem in line until i saw it how arcadey it was and i was like oh so yeah it still has that house mark energy to it now obviously it's by far the most ambitious title they've probably ever taken on uh and with that makes gives me you know kind of pause and makes me question like will this be able to perform up to snuff 
Mm-hmm. But up until now, all their games have, I mean, performed like a dream to me. So I have, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, and uh, hopefully it really, really runs good. Um, the next one, Knockout City. I think this is just a dodgeball one again, um, just on Sony's. I, I'm not mistaken, right? No, this is the same one we saw. <clears throat> excuse me. During the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, so it's the same I, unless game. you have any it's, new thoughts on it, I, 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 I'm not. It looks like Fortnite. I don't know. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> okay on that one. Um, I mean, shout out to the devs, but not for me. Yeah. Uh, so we got Sifu this time, which is a really interesting kind of like action combat game. Um, I would love to see how this works a little bit more. Um, we got some like cutscenes, and it seems like a very intuitive interactive combat system, but it's hard to tell specifically like what is actually done by controller inputs and what is just you know you press one button and it does multiple things. How combo mm-hmm. based is this? I'm it's it's unclear right now. Um, but it, it was really exciting to see a game like this, especially when we've seen games that kind of dabbled in that, that kind of like you bump into characters and there's a very intuitive dance, uh, or combat system. There was that one dancing type game. I forget what it's called. Um, but there's a number of games that kind of like played around with this theme. Uh, do you have any interest in this? Um, so I'm slightly interested. Um, I'm confused. I, I'm more interested in, like, I'll be more in depth that, you know, like invested when I see what... It holds. So these are, I didn't play their previous game, which was uh, Absolver, which was oh. sort of that one-on-one sword fighting game. Um, but yeah, it was, that's, that's another but it one was I was so of. yeah, it's made by them. Um, but that's all. That was a sort of a, basically it was a multiplayer online sort of only type deal. Which immediately I was like, yeah, no thanks. Um, so I'm hoping if there's like a somewhat sort of campaign single player concept, who knows? Yeah. Um, maybe it'll come to PS Plus at some point or something like that. You know, as much as I like to invest in and, and support developers if this game is directed for that online community for that absolver community i never even played that game and just because of how online focused it was so but yeah. it looked interesting like yeah the mechanics of it like that weird kung fu sort of stuff i'm like it looked interesting but again is this an all online sort of deal thing because that immediately for me will just kind of uh put a kibosh on it for me yeah we just need more information pretty yeah. much for that uh, we got Solar Ash. We got some gameplay from that. These are the guys who made uh, Hyper Light Drifter, which mm-hmm. I actually really liked that game. I like what I, I'm, I'm seeing from this game so far. I don't know if it's like a day one purchase for me, but I liked uh, a bit of the platforming, the combat. It all seems really interesting. The art style is very, very interesting to me. And uh, I'm just curious to see how central the narrative is. Uh, do you have any interest in Solar Ash? Uh, a little bit. I, I'm really excited. I kind of want this to be like when it releases. I there's a few people who I watched play a little bit of Hyperlife Drifter and were able to kind of explain the game to me. I'm kind of feeling I kind of need that for Solar Ash as well. Um, but it looks cool. I just don't you know when I have the time. I'd have to go back and replay Hyperlife Drifter. It's been a long time. I think I I never even like beat. I dabbled in it very lightly and then I got it kind of connect. I know they're not sequels, but I at least yeah. kind of get the basis. But it looks good. And then we got Five Nights at Freddy's, Security Breach. This was announced already, but they didn't really show off too much about it. Um, And so this is obviously a massive scale up from the previous Five Nights at Freddy's games. Where, you know, kind of stationary PC games, you check cams. This Mm -hmm. one has more of a mobile survival, like, not mobile as in phone, but like you're moving around in an environment, hiding, there's survival, you know. So this is a very different game it didn't seem to be running great but uh i can't judge a game you know this early in development once it comes Mm -hmm. out then we can have more comment on it 
I'm not into Five Nights at Freddy's. I've always been fascinated by the lore of it, but it's certainly not something I've played previously. This one's not going to change anything for me. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I love the lore of it. I love the kind of story. I think it's a smart idea, the horror Chuck E. Cheese pretty much type deal. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's way overstated. It's welcome. Uh, every time I turn around, there's a new Five Nights game coming out and all these weird locations and the sort of like the game of playing the games is kind of annoying and stuff like that where it's like i kind of just want to know the story already uh the fact that they keep like rewriting this game's not canon th- that whole sort of aspect of it is killer um it, it did look a little choppy i don't know it's it's weird because those games always run choppy like that i just don't know if that's supposed to be that way or who's even developing it but not for me but i i my two brothers will probably play it they'll kind of give me the lowdown of it um unless this is a, i don't know if that was a ps5 only i doubt it but I'll see I'd it be at really some surprised point. If it's not on PC, yeah. So it's there. More Five Nights for people who are demanding it. For some reason. Yeah, that, that game's gonna do well. I can, I can already tell you. Yeah. Um, the next one is the one probably I'm most excited about, and I've talked about it before. But uh, mm-hmm. Kena Bridge of Spirits, we got some more gameplay uh, this time, and uh, it, for me, every time I see more and more of this game, I'm just liking it more and more. Uh, and we finally got a little bit more of a look of the. The world that they're in and some of the side characters and stuff like that so this game looks excellent to me uh the art style is beautiful some of those cutscenes look like a movie uh and just everything about it it, it looks phenomenal um and you, you've already i know expressed some interest in it did this do anything better or did it make it worse for you or what you think no it made me want the game even more uh just because yeah. you know this game was supposed to be our it would be close to ours i know there was like a delay um yeah. but they're like we want to take some time to polish it. and the game looks fantastic you know and and it just looks i'm just excited it looks so good i think ember lab and all those guys who are working on it and you know the pre-orders are up again and this game's coming out for 39.99 um at least i I know so and i don't know it's just it yeah it just won me over like i kind of this is one of those games where i'm like i really want to play this game like kind of already like it's one of those i got nothing to do all weekend and this is what i want to do this week that weekend yeah it's, it's it's super under the radar and uh I know a lot of people throw around the whole like Breath of the Wild thing, but I feel like a lot of those games that have taken inspiration from Zelda took it in a very literal way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this one captures that spirit in a very good way that is so unique and doesn't bite. And and again, I, I love me some like Immortals and stuff like that. But um, this game, I feel like, has a spirit that Zelda set up. And it's like Zelda walks so they can run type situation. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what makes me really excited about this. Is I feel like this is something, a game that took the format and is going somewhere else with it while maintaining that spirit. And uh, th- it just really excites me. And I feel like it's going super under the radar. So I hope people, once clo- closer to launch and once it comes out, uh, people show it a little bit more love. Yeah. So the next one is all you. Oddworld, Soulstorm. Oddworld, <laughs> Soulstorm. So this game again, I, it's we mentioned this when it was first premiered. I think at the pre PS5 release stuff, and I'm like, it's the sequel to the reboot. I played the reboot not too long. Oh, I mean, I played it when it came out, and then I played it again, and I'm just excited for it. I mean, the game looks so good. They really took so much care to it. They've kind of taken a long time <laughs> for this game. You know, it, it's it's interesting they've taken this long. Um, the big plus that I think it came out kind of afterwards in the sort of weird post show. Um, this is coming to PS Plus in April, I believe. Oh, okay. So I'm all over it. I, I I mean, it just looks. It's been so long since Oddworld, new and tasty. I think was the reboot. 
sort of. Um, so I'm just super excited for it. Um, super excited for Oddworld. Just it's weird that Oddworld is still here. We're, we're we're in a world where we're missing all these other IPs and stuff like that. Oddworld is uh, getting a a new sequel, which is great. So I mean, everything I've seen, the mechanics look really good. A lot of the tricking and the way. It's hard to explain the game, but the tricking of the enemies and stuff like that and the puzzle aspect of it, they all look really fleshed out. And the environment itself is looking great when the sandstorm comes through and stuff like that. I like everything I'm seeing. It looks like Oddworld's next giant step, which is really what it's supposed to be. Absolutely. And with it coming to PlayStation Plus, now I don't have an excuse to not play it. So I yeah. guess I'll have some uh, insight into the game as well as a com- almost complete outsider. Because the yeah. only Oddworld game that I played for more than 20 minutes was like, the, I think it was like on the PlayStation 1. Like maybe the first one is the only yeah. one that I think I played. So I have like little to no insight about this. So you'll get the outsider's perspective. You'll get somebody who's way more familiar with it. So it'll be fun. And uh, the next one, Deathloop, for the 15th million time. Uh, We got some (laughs) gameplay from it. Honestly, I've seen enough of this game, so I don't have that much to add to it. It looks good. I'm just tired of seeing it. Uh, I know Arcane, I mean, they're an incredibly talented team. This game looks awesome. I love the style of it and everything, but I just don't want to see it anymore. I just want it to come out. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of did the same when I, they're like, Deathloop, and I kind of just, like, rolled my eyes a little bit, and I was like... Just, it's just because when I'm on the PS5, when I go to the PS5, uh, when I go to the PlayStation Store on my PS5, it's Deathloop. Pre-order it right now. Digital edition. I'm like, and showing all the trailers and screenshots. I'm like, yeah, guys, I've been looking at this game for a long time now. And, uh, you know, the last game we looked at for so long ended up being Cyberpunk. So it's like, it's time to oh, yeah. get this a little moving now. Like, And I know it's, it's still pretty far off. I think it's May. So I was yeah. like, I don't think you should have been here you should have maybe in april done a cool gameplay trailer uh like this trailer in like april would have been fine because the game was probably would have gone gold and we would be a month away i just don't think this is the type of game that needs to be flushed out this much it looks awesome but i just don't need i didn't i don't think we needed to see this much of this type of game like it it's not so deep that we have like endless amounts of questions about the world and the gameplay it's like it's it looks awesome. It looks fun. There's some interesting mechanics at work, but I don't think it needs so much that we need like it to appear at every single conference since it basically was announced. Yeah, um, I, and, I feel like they're showing yeah. their hand. Yeah, but uh, again, I hope it does well, and I fully intend mm-hmm. on playing it at some point, but it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can kind of finish off the state of play segment uh, with talking about two games, more Final Fantasy VII stuff uh, that was kind of announced after the, in the kind of like post- game show thing uh so we got final fantasy 7 ever crisis and this seems like a very a, a much more literal remake of final fantasy 7 now funnily enough this is actually something that very much interests me i just don't like playing things on phones that's like my biggest hang up about it uh they they basically seem like they're going to remake all of final fantasy 7 so that's the game that's uh um all, all the sub all the side materials and all the games and everything and bring it all together into one contained experience which is what me and you kind of predicted that the remake could actually be mm-hmm. uh the f- proper final fantasy 7 remake so it seems like they're going to do that here uh it's a much more faithful 
recreation of the visual style of the original so you got these kind of chibi characters running around the environments look cute the characters look good but then when you go into the battle system it changes into an art style that's much more in line with the newer remake that we got uh, this is coming out in 2020, uh, 2022, so it's going to be some time before we see that one. And then, um, before we move on to the second one, I want to know, what are your thoughts about Ever Crisis? Yeah, I was kind of interested. Again, I'm like, ah, to play this on my mobile phone, I don't even play the... They released Final Fantasy VII on mobiles, and those are kind of, not annoying, but they're a little difficult to play on the touchscreen. Then they're like, oh, it's coming out... They didn't want to say episodic, but they're like chapters at a time yeah. or whatever, so I'm like... Where are the microtransactions? Is it a one-time fee and I get these chapters that they release? Is it a five ninety-nine a chapter? How much is in a chapter? How are you going to incorporate the universe that is Final Fantasy VII into this stuff? I don't know. Maybe eventually they'll repackage it, put it on Switch or something. Maybe I'll be slightly more interested. But as soon as I saw that whole chapter episodic release, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no. I don't really, uh, it's not for me necessarily. I'm not gonna say I don't play because I, but we never know. Maybe they'll convince me, but it's, uh, not gonna be, uh, something I'm anticipating. Yeah, hopefully they roll it out right. There's still a lot of questions I have for this, uh, specifically, but, uh, I'm, I'm not mad at this because, again, I, I, I like the older Final Fantasy VII style. I like uh, Final Fantasy IX. So though that style I'm not even turned off of. So if you're going to remake all there so it's clean, it's streamlined, uh, just with an older style look to it, I'm not mad at that. I just, I'm not playing a, you know, a 50, 75-hour experience because once you, you know, put all the games together. Um, I'm not going to sit there on my phone playing that. I just, I'm just, I don't like touch controls. I don't like any of that stuff. Uh, so, if, hey, if they drop this on Switch, hey, say less. I'm there. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. uh, but I, I'm not sitting there on my phone playing this. And I just hope that the price proposition, they, they make it make sense uh, for what they're asking here. And then finally, we can end off with The First Soldier. So it basically seems like another Battle Royale game. Obviously taking a ton of cues of... I mean, I see a lot of Fortnite there. I see a little bit of Apex there. So there's a, mm-hmm. it's taken inspiration for pretty much all the major Battle Royale games in the Final Fantasy VII environment. Um, as far as cash grabs go, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, I, I, it's super derivative, so there's nothing remotely creative about it. But, uh, I mean, it's, it makes sense on paper. Hey, people like Final Fantasy VII, people like Fortnite, put it together, what do you get? Boom, the first soldier, what can go wrong? I don't disagree. So, so I, I'm not mad at it because it makes sense. I just will never touch this game. Uh, what about you? Yeah, you know, if this was an addition, if this was like, oh, here's a free little multiplayer we're going to give to Final Fantasy VII Integrade or whatever, I'd be like, ah, maybe I'll jump in. But as soon as like, yeah, no, it's no, no, it's mobile. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, Android and iOS. And I was like, yeah, okay. No thanks. I because it kind of looked, you know, the style, the artwork. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, gameplay. It's just another battle royale. But like, I was like, okay, that style, that sort of artwork, the loot and costumes you could unlock for the Final Fantasy stuff, event wise. I'm like, that'd be kind of cool. But the fact that it's just stuck on mobile, um, immediately turns me off on it. Yeah, it's a play towards Asia. It's it's really. I, I mean, yeah, I know it's, it's gonna have yeah. international appeal, but it's really not for us. Uh, if you look at all the metrics, I mean, a Battle Royale mobile game 
is just going to murder in China and Japan. So it's it's a no-brainer. You take IP that they're super yeah. familiar with, they like over there, uh, and then a gameplay style in a format that already is just killing it over there. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. For international audience, we're like, yeah, we, we want it on our consoles. We want that uh, dedicated home experience. And then, yeah, sure, with Switch on the go and stuff like that. Uh, but over there, I mean, it's a no-brainer. And, again, this is going to be microtransaction related and i know that the whole battle royale whale community in asia is also next level so yep. yeah this is a play towards them so it's not it's like almost not supposed to make sense to us if that makes any sense mm-hmm. it is it's there though for whoever wants yeah. it <laughs> um <laughs> so uh the next story something we kind of knew was gonna happen i guess but uh anthem is over Jabral Anthem is gone. Um, so, uh, after over a year of internal overhaul on Anthem, EA and Bioware have decided to stop development on the 2019 action RPG and move on to other projects. In an announcement today penned by executive producer Christian Daly, he explains that the decision to quit work on Anthem was, was motivated by a mixture of the impacts of COVID-19 and a desire to focus on other Bioware projects like the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Uh, his quick quote was, uh, 2020 was a year unlike any other, however, and while, and then any other, however, and while we continue to make progress against all our game projects at Bioware, working from home during the pandemic has had an impact on our productivity and not everything we planned as a studio before COVID-19 can be accomplished without putting undue stress on our team, he wrote. Uh, I know this will be disappointing to the community of Anthem players, all 15 of them, who had been excited <laughs> to see the improvements we've been working on. It's also disappointing for the team who were doing brilliant work. And for me personally, Anthem is what brought me to Bioware, and the last two years have been some of the most challenging and rewarding experiences of my career. Game development is hard. Decisions like these are not easy. Moving forward, we need to laser focus on our efforts as a studio and strengthen the next Dragon Age Mass Effect titles while continuing to provide quality updates to the Star Wars uh, The Old Republic. So, yeah, we knew this. You know, Anthem was doing this sort of revision, the Anthem Next update. You know, they were trying to go the, the pathway of No Man's Sky and all these other games that lived a second time. And we knew that they were having a great conference to whether decide whether to go with it or not. And uh, decisions made. Anthem is over. There is no Anthem next. Anthem 2.0. The overall, it's gone. Uh, Jabra, how, how are you taking this loss? Yeah, so it's like I'm mixed on it. So I have Anthem, and mm-hmm. I've played it a number of times. So I'm familiar with the, the base game. I, I know how it is. I know how it plays. I know what it offers. Um, and so part of me, when you have these kind of like games as a service where there is... A player base. Though it's small, there are people who invested in this, who put their money in this, who put their time into this. Part of me always wants to see them get their money's worth and get that support that they deserve. Uh, and there's people who spent tireless hours to develop this game, to make this game as good as possible. Things didn't work out. And so for the players and for the developers, I want to see this game succeed. I want to see it come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few games make it onto the other side, but I feel like... Uh, Destiny 1, No Man's Sky, these kind of games inspired get people like the Anthem teams to be like, if you just stick to it, you can pull out the other side. Um, but it's one of those things that eventually all developers, especially in this specific uh, subsect of the industry, the games as a service uh, industry, eventually you have to hit that point where it's like, you just gotta leave it alone. Like, enough is enough. You tried, you tried it didn't work, and you gotta walk away. And that's never an easy decision to make. Uh, but yeah, I think it was long overdue for Anthem. I remember when they announced Anthem next and it just seemed, again, 
in the great words of the legendary legendary uh, songstress uh, Jojo, "Too little, too late. It's done. It, it's just, <laughs> just nothing you could do for that." Um, if the player base is not there, they didn't resonate with the base game in general. So there's no amount of playing around. Like the thing about like Destiny that I feel like a lot of these people misunderstand is that it was it had a lot of issues with it early on, but it was more so a lack of content. Uh, it's not that people are like, this world sucks, these characters suck, we hate the story, we hate the gameplay style. No, people are like, it plays good, it's just not much here. And mm-hmm. so, like, over time, especially with that Taken King DLC, they fixed that issue. So, it was already an amazing shooter. They added amazing content into a world that was already filled with lore that was resonating with people. So, they were dealing with something, and they just padded it out from there. With Anthem, there was little to nothing people liked to begin with. They thought the world was bland and uninspired. The gameplay was fine. The story nobody cared about. And so you can add whatever amount you want there. But if the base didn't resonate with people, you're already fighting beyond an uphill battle. So they kind of just had to make the decision that everybody wanted them to make all along, which is no one was asking for Anthem. Yeah. No one was like, hey, Bioware, the team that made these amazing Western RPGs, Put them on a project where it's basically a third-person destiny. Like, literally no one asked for that. And everybody wanted new Mass Effect, new Dragon Age, and then, yeah, them going back to KOTOR is awesome, too. Uh, uh, Or the Old Republic, yeah. So, it, it just, it makes sense for them to put their focus on the games that actually resonate with people and getting those right instead of trying to fix something that no one asked for, if that makes any sense. So, part of me is, like, sympathetic to those who have invested in this community, but at the same time, it's kind of like good riddance, if that makes any sense. In the most compassionate way possible. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, oh, that sucks. But I was not surprised in the the smallest bit. You know, I jumped into Anthem. I was working at GameStop, so I I think I technically got that game free. I, I, I may or may not have gotten the game free. I don't remember exactly. But I was working at GameStop. We came home, so me and my crew at GameStop, we all played it. And then we played it, and we, we loved it the first night. You know, the first time you get to, like, sort of Iron Man jet off the platform. Like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And then the next day, it was, like, the same. And then we're like, where's the rest of the game? Where's all the stuff they promised? So the amount of problems with it wasn't something that could be fixed in a small patch. Uh, you know, they had a pretty small team working on Next, and it just didn't really understand what was lacking. The main shooting was fine, but you needed to start adding maps and worlds and stories and fixing the home hub world and you were asking for a, a revision of the whole game where destiny is a great example obviously that was the big competitor destiny just needed to add you know story cutscenes and new planets that they were already working on you know that was part of the plan luckily it worked out for them that what people wanted was already in the works um though they might you know nickel and dime does for it but yeah. it just makes sense and i just think people are way more weary on that that's why Destiny 2 tried to do the same thing, and that did not work out. Anthem tried to do it, did not work out. So that sort of release it, we'll fix it later. I'm glad is no longer a thing. You know, this this also came uh, sort of bundled with the news that they're like, yeah, the we were trying to add some multiplayer online stuff to the next Dragon Age and stuff like that. We're kind of scaling it back. I don't know if it's going to be gone completely, but they're going to be focusing on, because they said uh, the, success, the success of like Jedi Fallen Order and stuff like that, they're like, well, it looks like you guys want single-player games, even though that's what we've been telling them for years, that this is what we want. We don't mind multiplayer in there, but you got to make a solid game first. So, exactly. unfortunately, Anthem's death at least does give new air into uh, Bioware to know that that's not what we want from them. 
Yeah, and I hope this in many ways kind of serves as a message to a lot of these people who kept trying to jump into this industry with these uninspired works and not really putting forth the effort to create something new and original that uh, it's, it's not as easy as you think to take a game that exists already and try to be the next of it. Yep. Uh, the reason why it didn't work is because Destiny exists. So mm-hmm. we don't need a next Destiny yet. We exactly. need, you needed to make the Anthem, the next Anthem, not the next Destiny because we have Destiny and you're not going to out-Destiny Destiny, period. Uh, I mean, exactly. Destiny's having trouble outdoing themselves, so you think you're going to outdo them? <laughs> exactly. Uh, look at Destiny 2. So um, it's just, I feel like I hope that this kind of signals to others that it's like not everything needs to be everything. And so like I, we understand that this Games of Service is just printing money but know your lane, know what you're good at, and just focus on that and doing that as a, at a really high level. And there can be money there for you, too. And not everything needs to be this massive blockbuster because, yeah, like, look at Ubisoft. I mean, they have their their divisions and the Rainbow Sixes, but then, yeah, they all allow the, the Far Cry to just be Far Cry. You know what I mean? Um, not everything needs to be everything. And so... I'm, I'm at the same time. I'm, I'm excited for Bioware to be able to focus on what they actually. I feel like they can do best, and and put their all their manpower finally into craft crafting these franchises that we actually love, uh, and and it just gives me a lot of hope for the Mass Effects and stuff like that. So yeah, leave this Anthem crap alone, uh, and for you guys, the few of you who are still playing, I'm sorry, but there's so many better games out there that, that can offer you more bang for your buck and. Uh, Go check them out if you haven't thus far. But I, yeah. something tells me a lot of these people are probably not playing Anthem exclusively. There's, there's, that probably doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we can move on to the next pretty fun subject. It was a major story this week. Uh, the new Pokemon Direct. So yeah. we got a new Pokemon Presents with some exciting announcements. So we can go one by one. Uh, let's just start with Pokemon Snap. Get that out of the way. So we got some gameplay reveals. Uh, they already announced Pokemon Snap at a previous Pokemon game. Uh, uh, presents conference but we got some gameplay for this it looks really really good for anybody who's into the snap games on n64 and stuff like that uh this is absolutely in line with what i was hoping it would be it looks exactly how it is and it seems like they're staying true to what snap is without doing too much so i ain't mad at it at all uh do you have any interest in snap uh yeah i'm a huge fan of uh, the original pokemon snap and this is something people have been asking for for long for so long since the original pokemon snap i mean we went what eight generations later now they're giving us a new pokemon snap game yeah, it's like, like that, yeah. you could maximize this if you release one with every new generation people are gonna buy it uh even I'm if it was like a smaller, a smaller game but yeah it looks like pokemon snap it looks fun it looks you know the graphics are nice and clean and it just looks like taking photos and of pokemon with you know small puzzle aspects and stuff like that which is sort of the fun thing to do uh this is gonna be huge for streamers you know when people are trying to Oh, if you do this at this moment, this Pokemon will appear. There's all those secrets in the original where it's like, do this, this, and this, and then Mew will appear. So that's going to be really fun. And uh, this is uh, for sure, it'll. I'll pick it up. I don't know if day one. I don't, we'll see. But yeah. uh, I'm really interested in it. I would, hey man, uh, there's so much potential for Pokemon Snap in the modern game industry compared to when it, la- I mean, was last around during that 64 years. Mm-hmm. There's just so much they can do with it now. And like the moment they announced this, I, for some reason in my head, just had the headline like pop into my head, like Pokemon Snap World, where it uses that AR 
technology they already have in the phones for Pokemon Go and stuff like that to capture uh, Pokemon in the wild in terms of just taking pictures of them and stuff like that, importing that into your game and stuff like that. So there's so much potential of what they can do, and they can make that a separate game. They can make that a mode that exists within Snap. So I'm really excited to see what this does and if this reinvigorates this as a franchise. Because, again, yeah, I'd love to see these come out a little bit more regularly. Or maybe they can have it released one time and then just have these major DLC drops gen drop generationally, almost like a Pokemon go type format yeah so uh i'm curious to see what they do with it uh, a lot of unanswered questions for me but i'm just really glad to see it coming back exactly in the form that i feel like it should you know what i mean exactly now the biggest news or the second biggest or you know sub biggest there's there's two big things uh we got pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl so this is a proper remake of diamond and pearl uh, the cool thing about it is it keeps very much the spirit and style of the original Diamond and Pearl games with just a clean sheet of paint. So this is way more of a Link's Awakening remake and less of a, like, Oris remake, like the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire type situation where they kind of took the old world and brought it into the that, that style pokemon at that time this one keeping the old style with a brand new look to it kind of uh this is interesting enough is not developed directly by game freak this is by ilka inc so this is kind of the first time i think you we've gotten a mainline pokemon not directly done by game freak so that's really interesting and mm -hmm. we have reason why game freak is not directly working for that and we'll get into that next uh but yeah people have been asking for a diamond and pearl remake for a very long time I love these games, so I'm not mad at this at all. I love the look at it. And, uh, yeah, the, for me personally, this is a dream come true. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, you know, I was nervous because I was like, man, what, you know, while the trailer's kind of running, I'm like, is this Let's Go? Is this uh, Let's yeah. Go Diamond, Let's Go Pearl, whatever? Because those games were fine, but they were super casual. Um, and they weren't once, you know, even the game, when I saw the graphics, and I'm like, oh, cool, this is very much like just a core remake. And then, but I was super worried about gameplays. It's still the Let's Go, and it wasn't. This looks like a legit remake. It very much, you know, the way I always, the way I was telling people, I was like, well, it's like you know, they did Leaf Green and Fire Red, which were hardcore remakes, and I'm like, that's this in the new version. You know, our, you know, some people had some issue with the chibi style. That's what the games looked like uh, when we played them. I know graphics were different, but you know, it's. I think it's gonna be way more honorable to what the original content was where let's go was so redone um and all these other games and omega ruby and all of them were so redone i am glad this is sort of more crash insane trilogy sort of styled where it's like it's the core game you liked with some probably some you know fixes and some uh things to make it just a little bit better things like just to make it feel like a new game but yeah i'm super excited for it it looks it looks great um, I'm, I will. It's been a long time since I've played Diamond and, and Pearl, so I will definitely jump into this. Yeah, I mean, Gen 4 is great, so I'm, I'm yeah. just glad to be able to go back to this world. And with this next announcement, it's very obvious that they're very much uh, invested in going back to this specific generation and giving it some new light, yep. uh, which is really, really exciting. So, uh, yeah, the next one, the proper Game Freak next Pokemon game, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, but from all clues, it basically looks like an open-world Pokemon game where you can crouch and hide and interact and strafe, and it's just, they're very interesting things, and it's kind of, I, it, 
I'm like simultaneously super impressed and at the same time I kind of laugh at what people celebrate Game Freak doing which is basically mm-hmm. like oh my god you can move around like every other game has done for like 20 years but that's fine yeah. I'm not going to make fun of them <laughs> I just think that's funny but uh, no this game looks really really awesome it's interesting it seems like a little bit of a period piece like it's going back it's a prequel it's going back to the olden days and you have a proper olden, uh, open world you're standing over the cliff it obviously takes a lot from like Breath of the Wild um, and so yeah I'm really excited about this game it's coming out early 2022 and uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are coming out the tail end of 2021 so these games are not going to have a year between them like your typical uh pokemon games which is exciting because that means that if they keep this format we can get like possibly two sets of uh, pokemon games a year now that they're willing to work with a third party uh to release mainline games yeah so that's really really exciting i'm liking what i'm seeing about this game um i hope it runs well that's my only hang up with it is yeah it looks a little barren a little janky it's still a little far off we're pretty much a year out from when we even see it uh so i'm not going to judge it too harshly but uh what are your thoughts on this game yeah it's interesting because we you know people have been kind of asking for this sort of open world pokemon game and we get half steps you know sun and moon got semi-close and sword and shield got semi-close but still the same formula then you finally get it, and you know it looks weird. Uh, I'll give it that. Again, it's super early work, so I'm not gonna knock him for it. But your character sticks out like a sore thumb compared to the environment. Uh, the Pokemon look weird. They all just look like they stand out. I think something needs to shift, so it's all kind of one more one solid art style. Okay. Uh, but there's some interesting things like you're seeing your character. You know, yeah, dodge roll and stuff. So are the Pokemon gonna attack you? Uh, how's that sort of? Because why is your character so mobile? Um, if there's not gonna be some you know issues uh you know we need to see a little bit more because uh it's it's fine you give us this big open world but if there's nothing to do well what's gonna carry this this isn't like a pokemon mmo really um at least not from what we've seen exactly so it's like let's see what's there um i think they're choosing a nice time period obviously gen 4 and uh, and then they're going sort of yeah like you said time piece into that aspect so it's like there is something they want to show us and tell us so that's exciting to see but I definitely need to see more. Um, this, you know, Pokemon sells just on its name alone. I just hope this isn't, like, people want open world Pokemon. We get this, and then people don't want it, and then we'll never get what we truly want. But uh, it's definitely, I'm glad they're finally taking a chance with Pokemon. Definitely. It's like, fingers crossed right now, and I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like we're finally getting the proper open world game that we thought we were going to get multiple generations now. Yeah, uh, pretty much the moment we jumped to switch, especially when they showed off Sword and Shield, we're like, "Oh my god, you can like f- free roam around finally. It's not as linear and stuck." And obviously, um, and I, I like Sword and Shield a lot, but it, it definitely seems to be more of just a better looking, better running old style mm-hmm. Pokemon with some open world areas. Uh, so fingers crossed, right now it looks like we might finally get it. The open world whatever you want to is that people are throwing around mmorpg whatever you want to call it yeah uh the pokemon <laughs> game that we've wanted for a long time i'm i'm hoping it looks very open it looks very barren again game freak amazing developers makes great games they're not known for like these amazing running open world engines you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh they they've spent an extreme amount of time on the handheld space 
and then obviously crossed over into the Switch and haven't done anything super transformative with it. So this seems like definitely a lot of legwork that they're going to have to pull to make this work. But they, again, have tons of time to do it. Uh, so I'm very optimistic on this so far. Uh, and with this whole Pokemon Legends tag, it makes me wonder if like they're going to tackle other generations after this. And that's going to be the direction they go for some time. Maybe they'll do Pokemon Legends Arceus and then maybe a proper mainline one whatever the proper sword and shield sequel would be yeah. uh and then maybe pokemon legends and then the gen 5 legendary and then you go there so i'm curious to see what this turns into because there's lots of uh exciting potential to finally break not finally but be able to comfortably break that format that they've been locked into for a long time that eventually you have to ask like how long are you gonna guys keep this up how many different rocks and colors are you gonna find before you're just like it's kind of like a tired format so it seems like they're exactly. playing around with it a little bit more where they're gonna have third parties doing remakes uh, in the old style we're gonna do some things that break the the two like you know diamond pearl red blue black white break that format and do something around uh, a fixed object like a legendary in uh old place that we've been through look through a whole different lens so they're playing around with the format which i like because after like what 25 years or something like that yeah things can get stale even though i love pokemon i play it yeah. every year it comes out you got to play with the format sometimes it'll get a little boring that's why i'm not even mad at let's go i hated let's go but the fact that they play around with the format you know i'm not mad at it so i all, all in all, for right now, thumbs up for me. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see that they're finally yeah, yeah breaking that mold and going back. We don't always need a new generation of Pokemon. Give us exactly. experience with the millions you have out already. Especially with the DLC drops for Sword and Shield, it, they're obviously willing to extract a little bit more time out of it, which is mm -hmm. something that I welcome. Uh, as long as the DLC is really good, which I actually kind of like the Sword and Shield DLC, so I'm not even mad at it. Uh, I'm not mad at them, you know, taking the, not everything needs to be annualized. And uh, if, if you want to ask anything about that, I mean, ask Ubisoft how, how that yeah, went. Uh, so not everything needs to come out every single year on the dot. Give it some time to breathe. Let a third party play around with a remake. Give yourself some time to develop. To do three-year cycles. Hey, if you come out, as long as you come out and it hits right, take the time you need. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So getting to the, the quick final story here, uh, a cyberpunk update. Um so, CD Projekt Red is delaying the planned 1.2 patch for Cyberpunk 2077. In a series of tweets, the studio explained that the recent cyber attack combined with the extensive scope of the update means it will need more time. Our goal for patch 1.2 goes beyond any of our previous updates, the studio states. We've been working on numerous overall quality improvements and fixes, and we still have work to do to make sure that's what you get. With that in mind, we're now aiming for release in the second half of March. And then, of course, we always leave our uh, links down below. So yeah, this was supposed to be the second big update for Cyberpunk that was really going to finally bring it to the game that it should have at least launched with. Um, I don't know how much more quality of uh, life it would have gotten, really, but uh, yeah, I, th I, th I think Cyberpunk is uh, way overstated its welcome uh, in the game community, in the news community. This sucks because this was not their plan and the recent cyber attack, and they get into a little bit more details, uh, it's different, different people have talked about having to because of covid they're not working in an office so they had to go you know get uh rebuilds and stuff like that that was leaked and things that were patching and all this kind of stuff that really sucks for them to have to do this and it sucks that the cyberpunk's known this but it's getting to the point where people are tired of hearing 
CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk. People are yeah. tired of hearing. There's people who are just like, I'm just never going to play this game um, again. And though we had a really fun time with Cyberpunk and really good time, actually. You know, and I've been waiting for these patches to really just solidify it so I can just really enjoy it again um, on a second full playthrough. It does suck that now the second half of March, I'm going to be playing way of the, uh, not better things, but things that are complete, finished, uh, not going to be so cursed in a sense. Uh, so how'd you, uh, how'd you kind of think of this? Yeah, man, uh, CD Projekt Red is in a really tricky position, and it's like, I'm like sympathetic, and at the same time, it's like, it's kind of like they shot their load, you know, like, there's just this air of skepticism around them now, uh, and they're just like not catching a break with this hack and stuff like that, and so yeah, they, in, in any other circumstance, any other developer in the circumstance, if they go through a major hack, and they're like, hey, we gotta push off our timetable a little bit, because we're, f-. and it's a major hack, don't get it twisted, I know there's some mm-hmm. people on Twitter who are like not buying it at all. For all intents and purposes, all the data we've seen, this was a major scale attack that exposed a ton of vulnerabilities uh, for the employee base, and they had to like turn in computers to their IT team in person uh, to get things taken a look at. Like it was really bad stuff, and a lot of their private information was exposed. So this yeah. this whole idea that like this was like a fake thing that they were pushing to buy themselves more time. I mean, do you really think CD Projekt Red needs any new bad PR? Like, <laughs> please. No, so, and the data is out there. That's the thing. The data was sold. Exactly. It's out there. Yeah, there, there, we have all the information to suggest that this was absolutely a real thing that happened. And so I'm absolutely sympathetic uh, to those circumstances. It's just they cannot catch a break. And eventually you need to ask, like, like is Cyberpunk's chance done? I can't say that 100% because there's been many games who, for all reasons, should have been done. And they found a way to change things. But it's one of those things that Cyber- all CD Projekt Red needs is that six months, that eight months of just nothing we know stories about them give them a chance to finish this game and then they could relaunch it and when they relaunch it they're going to take a lot of l's there's going to be a lot of people who will never touch this Mm -hmm. game ever and there's going to be a lot of people who pump their money into this ecosystem that are not going to be happy but there are different there are different strategies they can take to basically like maybe like an ambassador program you remember when nintendo did that when people early bought on the 3ds People were not super happy with a number of reasons. So they give them a little, we're sorry. So maybe Cyberpunk comes back in six to eight months. And it's like, we know we've been quiet, but we've been quietly fixing the game. We have the patch. It's running well. We have a steady frame rate. We finally achieved that. Uh, We have free DLC to anybody who bought the game. We have a little ambassador um, program that if you have the game, you get a free, like, super free fancy cars and clothes and whatever uh, for you guys. And we're going to put it on PlayStation Plus for people to finally give it a chance. And they're just going to have to take the L. But I think that's honestly the best choice they can make at this point. Yeah. This idea that they're going to sell m- millions of more copies and finally switch it up. And it's going to be a great story. And everybody's in the end was like, oh, well, that was weird when it launched where things were bad. But boy, did they turn around. That's not going to happen. But I feel like they can save a little bit of the good graces from them. Because, again, they still are the team who made Witcher. So it's not like their name is completely a 1,000% in the mud. There is people who still hold uh, their name with some high regard. It's just going to take a lot of legwork to fix that. And uh, it's just, yeah, I'm sympathetic. But at the same time, it's kind of like reaping what you sow. They put themselves in such a bad position that when something completely out of their control happens, unfortunately, they don't get the sympathy that other developers would get, unfortunately, yeah. for them. 
Um, and so it, it reminds me a lot of the Hello Game situation where they kind of oversold and sold people a bill of goods that didn't exist. And so when real things were happening to Hello Games, like real bullying that Sean Murray was going through, where people were really targeting him in a really bad way, that is super not right, we don't co-sign that at all, they unfortunately didn't get the sympathy that many other developers would get because they put themselves already in a bad position where people already were not looking at them in a good light. So it's a really rough situation. And again, the best I can hope for CD Projekt Red at this point is like six months with no headlines, which is disastrous by any other people's standards. Whereas like if you launch a game, the last thing you want is no one talking about your game. But at this point, with the amount of bad PR that's coming out in the lawsuits and the hacks and the, this game is not mm-hmm. working and refunds and delistings, the best thing they could possibly have at this point is just no one talking about them until they can finish their games. And so that's what I hope for them at this point. That's the best I can hope for them. Yeah, same. We just have to hope for the best. And I think that's the best way is go quiet. The secret multiplayer stuff you're working on, maybe hold that till you're ready to relaunch. Give everyone who, veteran players, I guess, you know, give them tons of money for their online profile, stuff like that. That's, that's what's going to have to unfortunately happen. Yeah, and it's like, as far as I'm concerned, that multiplayer mode talk shouldn't even leave their mouth until they can develop or finish the game without cars falling out of the sky. That is, when I'm not walking down the street and 15 people don't T-pose around me, then we can have conversations about DLC where you can maybe explore more of the, the the map maybe then we could have conversations about a multiplayer mode i mean you're talking about multiplayer multiple people walking around the map like i can't walk around the map so you talk about multiple (laughs) people like there it's like you have to walk before you run and so i i understand they want to release this dlc timetable to basically tell to like hey everybody who bought into this ecosystem we're not abandoning you yet all our promises we're not pulling back yet these things are still happening it's just because of obvious issues we need to play around with that i 100 percent understand that but unfortunately for them you're not in the position to have those conversations quite yet uh so a quick like hey we haven't forgotten you everything we promised is still happening finish it there i don't want to hear you talk about no multiplayer and dlc drop one and dlc drop two and patch finish Mm -hmm. the game allow me to look in the mirror and have a hairstyle and then, and then we could have the conversations about multiplayer and all this stuff. But again, I like Cyberpunk, and I want to see them succeed. But it's like, boy, man, they're having a rough go. Like, they're, they're set up to have one of the roughest... I mean, they had a really rough 2020. I mean, 2021 doesn't look to be any easier for them. So uh, it, I hope by the end of the year this conversation changes. And by the end of the year, they're like, man, they went through it. But hey, they pulled it, they pulled it off, and I I don't see it happening for them. But I have my fingers crossed that it happens to them because I want to see everybody succeed. Because I know Hopefully. those amazing developers who did their absolute hardest and they worked as hard as they could to make mm-hmm. this work. And because of circumstances completely out of their control, they were kind of burned in the process too. And unfortunately, because of where they work, now their names are attached to this, mm-hmm. and so their resumes say CD Projekt Red during the Cyberpunk era on their resumes. And, and th- that must be rough for them too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's a tough situation that, but the, the game industry is an evolving one. So things die, things come back, things you think would succeed flop, and things you think would flop succeed. Weird things happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's 2021, and we have a pop and crash game. So like, who would have thought? <laughs> the, the game industry is weird, you know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so I I won't count them out, but I think they have a lot of work ahead of them. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Alright, so what is that, episode 45 or something? Yeah, episode 45. So, that that was that was the show. Really good one. It looks like the game industry is falling back, going back into full swing like I said it was going to. So, we're going to get our stories. And, uh, obviously, loose topics are contingent upon how many stories we had this week. Mm-hmm. We already we crossed well past an hour uh, yeah. with just the stories themselves. <laughs> and So, we're going to play it by ear depending on you know how the show is going to look, depending on how many stories we have. So, uh, we'll be back... Uh, next week with a brand new episode with more stories uh, for you guys so I'm Jabril and I'm with Steve hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you guys next week